How often is he good? All the time God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to worship the Lord in our giving. It's a worship. When we give, it's a worship. That's how we look at it. It continues on in worship. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I wanted to share with you as you prepare to give, and we will not once again be passing the uh, buckets, but obviously you have ample opportunities to give, uh, whether you're here, uh, you have the boxes at the entrance and exit doors there. You can give online. And, of course, we have the kiosk right there near the uh, information booth. Those that are online, you can give by text, texting and giving. Of course, we have that up here now. But uh, the, the, the scripture that I wanted to share with you has a lot to do with that last song that we, that we were singing about, you know, the oceans and God's creation. And Psalms 33 and 6 uh, says, in the Amplified, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. Amen. Amen. By the word of the Lord, creation was made. There's nothing else that he's going to make. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, we already have it. Amen. And even in John, it says that all things were made and came into existence through and by him. So it doesn't alleviate us of our responsibility. Of course, we do have a responsibility, and that is to believe and to rest. To believe and to rest. And of course, we have to make the normal everyday decisions concerning work, finances, or whatever. The common sense, use the brain that God gave us decisions. But it's not we're not relying on ourselves as our source or anything else. We make those decisions with him as our source. And that's the way it works. That's when we can just kind of sit back and chill. Amen. In the midst of the storm. That's the way it works. So as you prepare to give, let's hook up together. We'll hook up with you that are watching online. We'll hook up here together as a Lake Haven family, as believers in the Lord with not a care in the world. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise and glory for your faithfulness. You are so faithful. And anytime we feel ourselves going opposite of what your word says, we choose to make the decision to yank ourselves back and to believe you. Because your word is true. And we're not just saying this. Your word is alive and it works for us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Say, I love you, Jesus, and he loves you right back. Amen. Praise the Lord. I do want to mention some important, important uh, announcements. Uh, before you head out this week, make sure you stop by the table back there to my right, and it will be to your left as you're facing me in the back. Uh, we have the, the sign for supporting our law enforcement officers that we, we uh, put together. It's a big card, actually. So make sure you stop by there on your way out and sign the uh, giant big card. Amen. It's as being law enforcement, myself, those guys are going through a lot, but especially nowadays. Amen. So we support our brothers and sisters in blue. Praise the Lord. That's so important. So uh, also, uh, if you're interested in volunteering in the Global Leadership Summit in August, uh, please go 
today, that's today, after service in the cafe for a brief uh, uh, informational meeting. So for a brief informational meeting, of course, you've heard Pastor talk about it. I'm super excited about it. It'd be my first time actually being a part of it. So if you're interested in volunteering, just don't, uh, don't leave today without going by the cafe for that brief meeting. And last but not least, it's super, super important, uh, uh, the Brabham family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, July 5th, this coming Sunday. Uh, it's going to be their last Sunday with us here at Lake Haven Church, just for now. I mean, they're going to be coming back to visit, of course. <laughs> you better not leave me hanging, brother. <laughs> now, he's been a super blessing for the past couple of weeks. He's poured into me, and uh, I'm ex amen. I just thank God for him. But anyway, uh, we will be sharing a potluck lunch after church on this coming Sunday. So please bring a main dish to share and drinks or a side uh, if you want to give them a farewell card or gift, there will be a box for them next week. Amen. So that's a super exciting time for, for us because we, we're sending them off with blessings. It's a super exciting time for them because they're stepping into the next step that God has for them. Amen. And that's a great thing. Praise the Lord. Amen. So a lot of great things happening at, here at Lake Haven Church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, T. Appreciate it so much. Um, we're, we've been working with a local business, and um, so we're excited about being a massive blessing to law enforcement. And, um, and if you guys want to participate in that, we, we're, we are planning on doing meals for, we, uh, T went and he contacted all the local, our three local police departments, Eustace, Tavares, Mount Dora, and our sheriff's department. And then as, as you know, I mentioned last week, Corin and I went and met with uh, Sheriff Grinnell, and he's a great guy. We invited, the, we invited law enforcement to the GLS, the Global Leadership Summit. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's well attended around the world virtually because the actual, like um, Corin may have mentioned, the actual venue is in Illinois, but I mean, they've got world-class speakers, so they have like 1,500 and something places around the world that they actually do this. But we're one of two churches that are going to be hosting it in person, only two in, all, in the central Florida region. Um, because just because people with this whole COVID thing, it's a little strange. So when we were with Sheriff Grinnell uh, last week or the week before last for a few days, Sheriff Grinnell said, my birthday's on August the 3rd, so I won't be able to come because he says, I'm going down to the Keys and I'm going to go fishing <laughs> with my family. He says, but he'd like to send his deputy chief um, or chief deputy chief deputy and things like that so um but we we really we're working with a local business we've got a couple things in the works depending on this local business coming and and partnering with us um we want to see if we can be a super blessing and and what we would like to do if you guys will hook up with us is um on our hearts is we would actually like to get them a meal at firehouse subs so that they can, that any one of our fire, whenever their shift is, they can pull into firehouse subs. And if you know firehouse subs, besides making a really awesome sub, um, they really have, um, they, they really, they, they, they support law enforcement as it is and any first responders and things like that. So we thought that this may be a great way to plug into the community and really show Lake Haven support. But like uh, T said, uh, we, would, we would love for you to sign that card. 
just an encouraging message and, and that's what Sheriff Grinnell said would mean a lot to them because what they'll do is we'll take a picture and scan that and that'll go on the Sheriff's Department uh, um, internal website and they say that means a lot to them to hear encouraging messages from the community and so we would, we would um, love to do that. You know, he's, he, he just divulged some things you know, that you won't believe that they struggle with um, suicide rates in law enforcement too. You know, they, they are under immense amounts of stress and things like that, some of our, some of our officers. And we know that they serve and protect us. And so, um, we're, again, we're just grateful for, for every one of them who serve and for everyone in law enforcement and going into law enforcement. And it certainly, certainly is an interesting time. So um, hook up with us. Thank you again for helping. Uh, the GLS uh, meeting will probably be, if the service finishes, which I'm expecting it a little earlier because of how we did worship this morning, um, don't wait until 12. I'm pretty sure it'll be straight after the service, correct, Sweeno? Yeah, the volunteers in the cafe? So that'll be great. If you want to help out and be a blessing, again, that, that's open to all leaders. If you know leaders, if you're breathing air right now, in some capacity, you're a leader. Believe that or not. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a parent, if you, you are, have God influence, and one of these, you'll see that this is, is really an incredible Incredible opportunity for some world-class leadership content. This is not a minister's conference. It is not designed just for ministers. It's, it's got a different feel. It really is upbuilding. Corin and I have been going for a couple of years. We love the content. It's really enriching. And you can go to the Facebook page and, um, that Corin created here and see little snippets. And if you taste it, you'll want to come. So, or, and let people who you know, business owners and things, because it's a great opportunity to plug in. And for leaders in our community, you know, they make the saying, like Corin said, when, when, how does it say, when uh, leaders get better, everybody wins. When leaders get better, we all win. And so we've all got, we've all got room to grow, every, every one of us. Um, this morning, I have a message on my heart. I'm going to start a series called Critical Factors. Critical Factors. And, and you'll see there the little subtitle there is, not everything is important as others. Not everything is as important as others. And um, God has, has, has put a burden on my heart to, to communicate a few things to you. And, and if you would, just close your eyes and just connect. Just, as, just with that worship set, with, with what you heard, what you, what we, as we worship with the Lord. And just Because I believe Jesus said this, my words are spirit and they are life. This, these messages are not for the intellect. They are not for your brain. They're for your heart. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the soil is our hearts. And will you determine what sort of soil you will have? Will you, be, will you allow your heart to be hard soil where the seed cannot penetrate? Will you allow just a little shallow for just a little bit of brief germination that will disappear? When the sun comes up and a little bit of persecution arises, will the cares and worries and concerns of everything around us, the wind and waves, will it choke the word and make it unfruitful? Or will you determine to let God's word, not my words, God's words penetrate your heart and find root and produce 30, 60, and 100 fold? That is your decision. And so right now, determine in your heart between you and the Lord what you're going to do with his word. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We thank you that your words are spirit and life. 
And so we just hand our lives over to you because, Father, we know that as disciples, as followers of you, that you, have, you want to lead us into life abundantly. Your desire is that we experience abundant life. And so, Father, we yield to what your spirit is telling us in such a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as we know, it doesn't take a genius to realize we're facing some exciting times. Some exciting times, very different times, darkening times, darkening times. Many regards, the time is darkening. But you know what? It is exciting for us who are believers because we are salt and light. And just by sheer virtue of where you are and who you are, your light will shine brighter in the midst of darkness. Your light will shine brighter. That means you will attract the bugs. <laughs> And everything else, you, you, are, you, you, will, you will draw people toward you as you determine to let your light shine. But this, this time is, is interesting. So, you know, I have a, I, a, this phrase came to me from the Wizard of Oz. Remember when Dorothy said, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I think that, that there is an element of this that we have got to stay hooked up with and sensitive to because we're not in Kansas anymore. The fields have changed a little bit. Things have changed, so to speak. And, and we have got to be very clear about what God's plans for the church at large are and for us as individuals within it, right? And we've touched a bit of this. So my title, excuse me, um, Critical factors or key factors. Now, some of you have, have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? It's a well-known business principle. It's actually called the Pareto principle. Was, uh, there was an Italian um, uh, physicist or scientist, somebody like that. You can look it up. But in the end of the, last, in the, end of the, the 19th century, he actually found this, this, this relationship. The 80-20 rule says this, 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. I'm going to say that again, 80% of the effects of, any, of almost anything come from 20% of the causes. And if you've been in any management meetings or business meetings or sales meetings, I'm sure you've heard about the 80-20 world. You will say 80% of sales come from 20% of the clients. Or all, this principle seems to be founded so, so well uh, and distributed in, in the world. Um, but the point is this. That most things in life, effort, reward, output, are not evenly distributed. Some things contribute more than other things. Um, and, and so it is critical or it's beneficial and very helpful for us, for you and I, to identify what are the critical factors. Because do you know that there's not everything, even in the Word of God, not everything in the Word of God has equal importance. Now, I'm not listening to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it isn't the word of God and that God's word isn't his word. I'm just saying that there are certain fundamental things that Jesus said and Jesus expects of us that are way more powerful than other things. Way more, will have way more effect in our life than other things. And if we learn about the 80, how to apply this 80-20 rule, remember 80-20, so 20% of what we do, that's one-fifth. One-fifth of our activity or one-fifth of the things that we choose will have 80% of the results. That can work both good and bad. If you don't know and identify what the critical factors are and you pick out the 20% critical factors, that will have massive issues in your life. 
But sometimes, and, and, and conversely, if you fig figure out what the, the, the critical factors, as we look at critical factors in our, in our lives, if we apply and, and we listen and we adhere to the critical factors, it's amazing how good our lives can be and what we can reap from, from God's word and how much benefit it can do from us from putting our focus on the things that should have focus. Does that make sense? Okay, so remember, not everything is of equal value. You can read the Word of God and it can talk about, you know, tithing mint, dill, and cumin. Jesus said, the Pharisees tithed mint, dill, and cumin, but you've left the greater things behind. He said, shouldn't leave the former things. But, but listen, running around and tithing on the herbs from your garden, that's not as big a deal when it comes to your relationship with your kids, right? There are certain things about, there are certain critical factors, exactly. Okay, so you get the point. So... One of, these, one of these critical factors is how, um, and, and I'm about to get to, I'll, I'll title it over here, but, but are we in this? When I say this, are we sucking wind? We know that if we read the Bible and you, and you have a good overview of the Bible, David and all the prophets of old and said, listen, our lives are but a whisper. They like a mist. They gone, they're here today and gone to mother. It says the same about riches. Riches are just deceitful. They fly, they take wings like flight and disappear. So we can choose our whole life to chase after riches, but the Bible says from God's perspective, riches aren't a big deal, dude. It's not a critical factor. Money isn't a critical factor. But you see, if we live our life focusing on money and about our retirement, because I've got to, I've got to save up money for my last 30 years, or my next 30 years, I've got to save up money for my retirement. If that is what you're living for, Maybe it's not such a big deal. You see, if we're playing a long game, have you ever heard of playing the long game? Playing the long game is having things, zooming out a little bit and seeing where are we really going with this? Because uh, David, uh, Pastor Dave mentioned over here, he says, are we setting our eyes on things above? Do we really live our life with eternity in mind? Do we value the things of eternity in mind? Or are we worried about my 401k and what's happening in the stock market and how much is, etc.? Because if I'm only living for now, and some people are living for the next 30 years, and they're like, man, I've just got to make it to retirement, and then everything's going to be great. Then I'm going to go to Bible school, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to travel, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going. Right? One day. So they're living with this 30-year, when I just get there, sort of like a carrot at the end of the stick, right? But it's one that can sort of be achievable if you, you know. But, but then there's other, there's other people that are, man, I can just make it through 2020. <laughs> if I can just make it through 2020. You know, so some of us aren't playing such a 30-year longer, and we're like a lot shorter, you know. <laughs> or, or maybe like some of us have lived before, if I can just make Friday. Yeah. <laughs> You <laughs> say so, so. That's not a very long game. It's like Friday. Ah, TGIF. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the one one of the critical factors, though, that that is going to sound and 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 guard your heart here from from where I'm going. This it's it. There is a knowledge that the first critical factor that is so important to grasp with your heart. Say with your heart. Not with my head, not with my head, with my heart, is I've got to know that God is good. I have to know in my knower. 
Your knower isn't here. Your knower is here. You have to know that God is good. Know that God is good. Uh, in Psalm 34 verse 8 in the um, ESV English Standard Version, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. In the New Living Translation, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Now, that can just be, you know, speed, blah, 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 information. Well, it's like, you know that there is joy wrapped up in taking refuge in God. Now, I'm talking about this critical factor. I'm zooming out just ever so slightly because right now, as I said in the last couple of weeks, the world is desperate for authenticity. And where, where there is a lot of religion, and I hesitate to call it Christianity, because I don't even believe it's Christianity. There is a lot of religion out there that the world, from their unsaved state, they look at everybody that calls themselves religious as the same thing. So the atheists throw us all into it. You say, all oh, you weirdos, you all believe in this weird thing. And they put us all in the same box. Whether, whether you are, you've got all these weird religious practices, etc., etc. So they look, at the, they look at the whole of religion and they paint us all with a certain color. Which is common human nature. Except that we, the true believers, we, the body of Christ, we more than ever, listen to me, I believe, certainly in our lifetimes, certainly in our experience, we more than ever need to have authentic Christianity operating in our life. Authentic relationship, authenticity in every part of our lives. Do we want to experience the wholeness of what this inheritance is that God has given us and it not just be information on a Sunday, right? Not just coming here for a little regurgitation of information, but is it something that I can actually experience in my heart? There is a big difference. There is a massive difference. There is a massive difference. I believe that, I'm going to make a very ungrace, it's going to sound very ungraceful. I believe there's a lot of people walking into religious institutions that are not going to go to heaven. Just because they get in their car and go and spend money and sit in a pew or sit in a building and they call it religion does not mean that they are saved nor going to heaven. And sadly, we have the answer. And we'll talk a little bit about this because as we look at this, but here in Psalm 34, 8, we just looked at taste and see that God is good. And remember the word taste. Taste is something very personal. I can't taste for you. I can't show you what a banana tastes like. I cannot show you. I can't say, here's a banana. If you've never eaten or a star fruit or any kind of the weird, wonderful fruits around the world that they are, I can't, if you've never tasted it, I can't show you the fruit and say, it tastes just like, because you have to experience it personally. And that's what I love about this word taste. Taste is a very intimate, personal experience. You have to reach out, you have to grab, you have to chew, you have to swallow, and then nobody can tell you otherwise. You know what it tastes like, right? And so, and so taste and see, God is saying, come experience from me, experience firsthand, taste and experience from me that God is good. 
and the, oh, for the joy of those who take refuge in him. Wow. You know, there's this element of when you know how good God is, you're going to run for refuge in him. But you know what proves to us that we don't know God is good and we don't know him? is because we run away from him. World all over run away from God. Oh, say a prayer for me when you're in there, brother or pastor. You know, throw up one for me. I'm really going through a rough time. You know, I don't want to step in there. Otherwise, God will, you know, whatever. It, that element of, of estrangement. I don't want to go to know God. It's like, dude, you don't know how good God is. You have evidently not tasted. So, so today, my desire, and I believe God wants to, is, is to, that you can taste again and have a refreshed, renewed taste of God's, of God's goodness. And not only that, that's something that you can wake up and taste and experience daily. Because knowing God is good, knowing in your knower is a critical factor. It's a critical factor. It's one of those things that if it's known and it's established in you, it will have massive things in your life. It's kind of like some truths are built on other truths that are built on other truths that are built on other truths in your life. There are fundamental things, and we've discussed this in, in our foundations course and when, in our, when we did grow series, you know, that, that it, there, are, there are fundamental factors that are really important, foundational things. And, and we've spoken about knowing the love of God is certainly one of them, and it's a massive area. But this particular area, um, God is good, man. I'm, I'm just excited too. Now, I want you to see this, this verse. First Timothy 1 verse 5 says this. He says, um, the aim of our charge, in the ESV, I've got it in two versions there in case you're asking which one, but um, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, now if, if you look at it in the Amplified, I'm not sure if you've got that one ready, um, Janine, but if you, it says the aim of our charge. It's, in other versions, it says the aim, the point, the reason for our instruction. The whole reason that we're even doing anything, the reason for our instruction is love from a pure heart, that issues from a pure heart. There, here it is from the Amplified. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart, a good or clear conscience, and a sincere or unfeigned faith. In a nutshell, Paul is teaching Timothy, his protege, and he's saying, listen, guys, this is the whole reason we teach. Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. But what happens, the whole book of Jude, a lot of times the, 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 the epistles, the, they, they were written to sort of correct a few imbalances that were happening in the developing church. And in the, in the book of Jude, um, we see that there was these people that, are, that it says um, uh, in verse, I'm going to pick up in Jude verse, because there's only one chapter, um, but in verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that, once, that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God, grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, his writing over here is saying, listen guys, I, I need to talk to you that there is people that have crept into the body unnoticed 
and, and who long ago, he says, who have perverted the grace of God. They've turned the grace of God into sensuality. In other words, man, listen, I like this grace of God thing. I just want to turn it into something that pleases my senses. Me. It's about me. And so then in verse 12, he says, he talks about these, 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 these fake teachers. He says, these are blemishes on your love feasts. They feast with you without fear, looking after themselves. Waterless clouds swept along by winds. Fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting their foam upon the unshamed, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Now that's pretty strong language, right? But he's, now, now, don't worry, you're not one of them. I'm just letting you know, if you came to church today, chances are you're not one of them. But it's just like he's saying, listen, people have crept in unnoticed, and this is it. They're waterless clouds. They are false. They are false teachers, and they have perverted, they have perverted what was this grace of God and turned it into, into sensuality. So, um, so greatly misguided by selfishness. It says they pursue selfish gain, etc., etc. So, okay. One of the reasons I believe the body of Christ at large is where it's at is because of false teachers. You, you and I have to grow up to a place where we can identify and not be blown around with every wind of doctrine, go through D group and get established. So because I tell you, just because a guy writes a book or has a TV show or is on Christian TV or Christian radio, does not make that the gospel. It's so important, guys. It's so important. There is truth and there are things that we have to judge and look at and, and study out in Scripture just because somebody says, well, I read this guy. And, and listen, children stick everything in their mouths. Babies, right? You've had a baby. If, they, if they're going to try, even if it's too big, they're going to try and fit it in their mouth. You know, whatever it is, they're going to try and stuff everything in their mouths. They, that, that, is, that is what young kids do. But, but we who mature say, whoa, right? Now, I certainly have grown a little bit. I'm still on, my, on a journey myself. But I can remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I know nothing. And everybody knows more than me. So it puts you in, an, it puts you in a place where you're just voraciously eating anything that's out there. And without any kind of discernment, that's a dangerous place. That's why it is important for us to be in a body. Amen. That's why it's important for you to be in relationship with leaders. That's why God created the fivefold ministry. One of the reasons to have leaders and to have life group leaders and people that you can bounce things off. Hey, you know what? I've been reading this book. And somebody could say, what? You shouldn't be reading that book. I mean, there's, there's been so many books over the years that have come via, oh, you should see how bad and evil the devil is. I was reading this book and you could see demons were everywhere and there were big claws and, and this was happening and that was happening. And, and, you know, she knows because she was a satanic high priest. So let me get that straight. She served the father of all lies, but she knows exactly what the truth is. You know, it's, it's just, we, over the years, we, we have just sucked down just a bunch of nonsense because we haven't stayed with, with God's word or held up the word of God as our final standard, right? Amen. So anyhow, 
this, I just wanted to mention that because getting that out the way, Jesus said this about this in Luke 10, and you know the story well. I'm just going to mention it here. But in Luke 10, there's the story of the Good Samaritan, and it starts off with, a, with a, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? And how do you read it? Interesting. What is written in the law and how do you read it? And in verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring in verse 29 to justify himself, he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Isn't that just like religion? Listen, I, I, what do I have to do? To, I remember saying the same kind of words. What do I need to do to get to heaven? Well, just do this, just do this. Do I, do I have to go here, do this, do what? You know, what is the, in other words, I want to do as least as possible and just make it through the pearly gates. While I still have as much fun as I possibly can. You know, so, you know, so that's, that's the, the question. And, 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 and Jesus goes into this beautiful story about the, the, the Samaritan. And he, and he says that there's this man that's beaten half dead. He's lying on the road. And a priest walks by on the other side of the road, just ignores him. And then a Levite walks by on the other side of the road. But then comes a Samaritan. And we've, we've touched on Samaritans before, but Samaritans were half Jews. They, they, they were at odds with the Jews. They, they, they didn't like Jews at all. The Jews didn't like them at all. There was a massive thing. So for Jesus to use the Samaritan in the story is pretty interesting. He was, Jesus himself was accused by the Pharisees of being a Samaritan. And, and there's a lot of fascinating pieces that you can pull out of that. But Samaritans, here comes the Samaritan, this guy that's not even supposed to be a part of the purified, holy, elect of God, us Jews, so to speak. But, but we, see, we see in the story, the Samaritan comes, he shows care to the good Samaritan, I mean to, to, the, to the, the, the man that was beaten by thieves. He takes him, cares for him, puts in oil and wine, soothes his wounds, takes him to an inn, Checks him into the inn and says, listen, you care for him. If there's any other expense, I'll take care of it, right? So Jesus is explaining. He says, listen, this guy's trying to be justified, but he's asking Jesus. This lawyer was a lawyer. We know lawyers, right? You know, he's trying, to, he's, trying to be, he's trying to justify himself and says, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus, interestingly, he has two examples. He doesn't just show the example of the... He, he doesn't just show the man the example of the Samaritan. He talks about two who just ignored the man. Interesting. And it's interesting that it's both, it's religion, Levites and priests. Levites represent the law, priests represent religion. Religion will not help you at all. Religion doesn't care about you at all. Law doesn't care about you at all. But here, the Samaritan comes and cares for this man, and he shows, shows him love. Now, he didn't walk up to the guy and say, oh, I love you, and then walk away, right? Isn't it just nice? Oh, I love you. That's so nice. I'm sorry about your pain. See you later. You know? <laughs> he, he doesn't even tell him he loves him. He just picks him up and takes him, and just he demonstrated something tangible showed something so that's what jesus said who's my neighbor how do you love your neighbor he says do something yep that means do something <laughs> it doesn't mean oh i'm gonna pray for you stop praying for people just do something for them please um sorry 
I know that can be taken way out of context. So, <laughs> so but but a question for you: How many do you, have you have you ever had a good Samaritan experience where you've been the beneficiary? I know I have. I've 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 had a few, and to this day they are burned and etched in my memory. I'll tell you one day about a car crash I had when I was 10 and some people pulled me out from under a car, picked the whole car up and pulled me out of it. I can tell you one day about that story. Or about the time that I was in Cana of Galilee, I literally was backpacking around Israel and I went to Cana to see the place where Jesus did the first miracle and there was this sweet Roman Catholic priest, man. He, with the, the things were shut down and he found me. He, he was Italian speaking. He hardly spoke any English. He grabbed me and took me in. And I mean, I was just this backpacker, smelly backpacker. And he took me into this little church, into the back, went to his house. And he cut out some cold watermelon. And he just, he, I, I thought, dude, this guy is really caring. I was, I was blown away by his evident care, even though we didn't speak much of the same language. It was like, and then one day I was backpacking in Turkey. It was the same, so I was backpacker, backpacked for about five or six months. And so I went to Turkey, and I was spent a few weeks in Turkey, and that was a fascinating time of my life. Lots of stories about that. But um, the seven churches of Revelation are all in Turkey, and Ephesus is this massive, beautiful city that's worth, definitely one of the best places I've ever visited. And, and, and in any case, so I, I was on this, this trip down a mountain, and I saw a sign, Laodicea, and I was like, Laodicea, that's one of those seven churches. I thought, stop the bus. I got off the bus and I was walking towards, and it had, I don't know if it's been, ex this is many years ago. Um, I don't know if it's since been actually um, excavated yet, but Laodicea was still in the dirt. I mean, literally, there was like, you see a wall coming out of the side of a hill and goes down. So you could see that the whole city is still just under dirt. So I wanted to go and see Laodicea just because, hey, I'm driving right past. Let me go and take a look. And on my way there, I had a, I picked up a, a, a hitch, sort of a backpacking buddy, and we were just walking down the road to go to land. Yeah, we were walking down this road, and suddenly this, this man pulled, pulled, pulled us out, out. He could not speak a word of English. And remember, this is 19, Turkey is 99 point something percent Muslim. He, he, he grabs us off the road. He pulls us, him and his wife have this little shack. I, I'm telling you, the house was probably as big as the stage, all-inclusive. And he pulled us into us. He said, I mean, we had no say in the matter. He would, not, he would not let us walk by. I kid you not. He was, come, come. You know, you could tell just, for his, just come in. And he sat us down. And then he set a table before us. So he got his wife and they brought, I mean, it was like we were celebrities and we were just walking by. He, he sat us down. He, he took bread. He took cheese and honey. And he put his shot. He was about to go hunting because he had his shotgun broken over his shoulder. And I think he was going to go hunting for something. But, but he, was, he, was, he just loved on us. And, and I thought, I had never experienced such kindness by, from a stranger. I'd never experienced such kindness from a stranger. I tell you, I came back from that trip thinking, I've got to be kinder to strangers. Because I had my life touched by numerous strangers that just went way, way out of their way for me. You know? And so those, those good Samaritan kind of experiences change you. They affect you. They, they want you to be better. They want you, they inspire you to be better. Not because the Levite came to you and preached from Leviticus, but because you just felt 
something. You felt cared for or loved. So, um, you know, we, we talk about the glory of God, you know, and we, there's this, this religious idea that, you know, the glory of God is going to show up and everything is going to get hazy and, you know, we're going to see the Shekinah glory of God, right? You know, you've heard that people, oh, I went into this church service and there was this great big glow and things like that. And it's like, yeah, and then what happened? Well, nothing, but it was this nice big glow. Big, big deal. Did the glow change you? You know, I, 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 there's this idea of what is doxa, and, and in Greek, the word glory uh, from the glory of God is doxa, and, and it's God's view, or it's, it's, it's a view and opinion, it's a judgment, is the word, if you go and study the word doxa, it's a big word, it's got a lot of studies, you can break it down in, in things, but it's, it's interesting that God's view and opinion, which is obviously reality. If there's only one that sees clearly and we know it's God himself. And, and so what is the glory of God? So Moses had this question in, in, in Exodus chapter 33. And um, uh, not to, not to uh, I don't want to read too much of it, but he's having this heart to heart with God because he's come down with the Ten Commandments, the first, the first set, and they have been partying and throwing out, you know, gold, made a golden calf. And you remember the whole story. You know, oh, we didn't know how long you were going to be, so we just threw our jewels into here and out jumped this calf, you know, kind of thing, you know. It's like, yeah, right, you know. So, t- so Moses loses it a little bit, smashes the, co- the first set of commandments. He's, and so him and, between him and the, he has this discussion with God. And, and he says, um, um, uh, Moses says, oh, I don't know where to start here, hey? Yeah, I know, but I'm just wondering if I should start earlier. I, he says in verse 13, Now therefore, if I have favor in your sight, please, sorry, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you, hmm, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, uh, God replies, he says, My presence will with, go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses says to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are so distinct, I and your people, and every, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have spoken I will do for you, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And so what what happens in the next chapter, um, the Lord's in verse 5, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. This is his name, guys. A God, the God Sorry, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Man, that's a good God. That's a good God. And then he says, um, but will no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children, their children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, now I've found favor in your sight, O Lord. Please go in the midst of us, for this is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and sin, and take us for your inheritance. But we see in this whole account that God says, listen, I'm going to, he describes his goodness in those verses. 
He doesn't say, my name is God and I am good, I am good, I am good. Tra la 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 la. He describes, this is how he is good. Did you see how he said, he said, I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. All of these things are part of a revelation of God said, listen, listen, Moses asked to see his glory and he says, I'll show you, I'll show you what my glory looks like. I'll I'll, I'll demonstrate. You will, you can't. I will show you the glory of God and then he explains how good he is. You see, a revelation, you need to catch this with your heart. A revelation of the goodness of God is the glory of God. A revelation. When you see how God, God you want to walk in glory, you get to know how good God is. You get to know how good, how good God is, is the glory of God. In Habakkuk 2 verse 10, it says this, a beautiful translation, a, a beautiful prophecy. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Listen to that. I don't know if you got that up there. Hab 2.10 ESV. The, Lord, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, uh, did I get the wrong scripture? I'm sorry. I must have given the... Hab, I thought it was Habakkuk 2.10. Thanks. My, my wife is my backup here. But, but what you see in the scripture, listen to this. We, we'll get the right reference here. But the earth will be filled with the knowledge. Listen to that. The knowledge, the experience, the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. How... Huh? 2.14. I apologize there, Janine, my bad. 2.14. So um, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So God's knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of his goodness will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is a fantastic prophecy. And I believe we're standing at the threshold of this. This is our task, if you will. We are going to experience, taste and see, we are going to experience the goodness of God, taste and see, and we're going to take it to the ends of the earth. What are we taking? Religion? Are we pulling a Levite or a priest thing? No. We're going to take the goodness of God, the knowledge of the goodness of God, the knowledge of this glorious God who is so good. Now, Paul If you remember the story of Paul, just for a moment, he wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Now, we know his name was Saul, right, originally, and he was a persecutor of the church. He, He persecuted the church. He was an enemy of God. He locked up men, women, and children who were followers of the way, and or and and he he put some of them to death, apparently. He threw some of them in jail, but he was an enemy of the church. So in this story, I want to pick this up in Luke 6, so 27. Um, oh, so actually, hmm, don't know if I want to pick this up here. No, um, anyhow, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember. In any case, you, you know the story. In, in, he, he, he experiences God, and, and on this road to Damascus, 
God knocks him off his horse and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me, right? He, he speaks to him, and God gives him this great revelation of, his, of who he is. Now, you would think that if God was as mean, critical, and judgmental as every other, as we've been taught, but religiously to believe, you think God would have squished him like a bug, popped him like a little tick, you know, Okay, you, you, you've, you've touched me. My, I mean, listen, he's, he had persecuted the church. He says, why do you persecute me? But God doesn't. God goes and says, he, he says to him, he says, listen, I'm going to show you a few things. And, and he, Saul, Saul radically transforms after experiencing the goodness of God radically transforms the goodness of God. And you think to myself, but hold on a second, how is that even possible? I thought God is going to judge the sin of the world. Well, we spoke about sin of the world when we, Jesus dealt with the sin of the world. But in Luke 6, verse 27, it says this, but I say to you, you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And, and um, as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. And then he carries on in verse 32. If you love those, listen, switch on, stay connected with your heart here. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? If even sinners love those who love them. And if you do, if you do good to those who do good to you, do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is to that? Even sinners lend to sinners to get the back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful then as your Father is merciful. Wow. God, there is a secret here. The secret weapon is the goodness of God. You want to change somebody's heart? God says, love him. He says, listen, guys, in this whole thing, it's, it's so powerful. What good is it to you? You know that I grew up thinking that God had the love of a sinner. I, honestly, the religion that I taught, I, God has the same love as a sinner's love. Why? Because I thought, I was taught, if you love God, he will love you. Heard that before? If you love God, he will love you. But that's not what Jesus just said here. He said, listen, if you only love those who love you, even sinners do that. God's love has always loved the evil, the ungrateful, and the wicked. That's why Romans 5 could tell us in verse 8 that, God, that the goodness and kindness of God is for all of us. While we were still sinners, God loved us. So, so when we have this revelation of the love of God and we say, hold on a second, here we get to experience tangibly the love of God and then we are empowered to go and love those who do not deserve it. Do not deserve it. Okay, so this world is darkening. This world, and, and we know that in the absence, darkness is simply the absence of light. 
And Jesus said that in him, we become the light of life. He is the light of the life, but we become his extensions. We are the light of the world. We shouldn't let this be hidden under a bushel, right? He said, we don't hide this light under a bushel, we, but we, we display it to be seen. Brothers and sisters, guys, this is the time. When there is this much hatred and anger around us, preaching the judgment of God ain't going to work. Talking about how God's going to get you, hating people who are on, who don't see things the way that you and I, or whatever, who don't see things the way, that ain't going to help. If you want to be like your father in heaven, you've got to love your enemy and be good to them that despitefully use you. Wow. But how can I do that? I am not empowered. Well, we have to taste first. You see, when we are a recipient, when we have that when we are loved and we know that, listen, like Paul says this, and, and, and Paul had this powerful revelation, and that's what I, um, I'm going to pull that out now because I see it in Titus. I, Titus verse 3, I'm going to jump down to that one. Verse, Titus ver, chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, and Paul's talking to, um, uh, obviously, Titus, and he says, we, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now, Paul is really talking about himself here. And remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, guys. He kept the law to a fault. And he says this, we ourselves were foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to passions, pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. And then listen to this. I like this next big but. Next verse. But, see that? When the goodness when the goodness, when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out with us on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. We're actually supposed to devote ourselves to good works. Why? Because he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. You see, Paul experienced that on that Damascus road. He's like, uh-oh, listen, you got knocked off your hood and light shined down from heaven. And he says, and that voice, I mean, can you imagine just for a second, I think I would have pooped myself at least. You know, I mean, honestly, it's like, here you are thinking you're doing the work of God, right? And then suddenly, you, it's like, obviously God shows up and he says, <clears throat> why do you persecute me? Uh-oh, uh, who are you, Lord? He, I, don't, I don't even know who you are. What a, he thought he was doing something for God. 
but he has this experience and God pours his love and treats him, loves him, loves his enemy, loves the enemy of the church, gives him grace. Not only that, calls him into the ministry. So Paul has this firsthand experience of the goodness of God. And in fact, in verse, he writes to the Romans later in, verse two, in chapter 2, verse 4 of Romans, and he says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it's God's kindness or goodness that leads people to repentance? It's God's kindness. Listen to that. It's God's kindness, or some translations say goodness. The word is Christos. can be translated both ways. Goodness, kindness. It's, got, it's, got a, it's God's kindness can, cheat, can cheat, lead you to repentance. It's kindness and goodness that can change lives. Repentance, as you know, is a change of mind. So Paul, again, that's why he writes this. He says, listen, guys, I know something or two about being changed. I think we can all agree he did. In verse 12, in the same chapter, in chapter 12, verse 21, he says this, do not be overcome by evil, he says, but overcome evil with good. Do not become overcome by evil. Listen, people, he's talking to Romans. That means, guess what? We can be overcome by evil. That, that's not saying that you will be overcome by evil and you're going to go to hell. That's not saying that. He's saying, he says, guys, you, you can yield and we can just be, we can become totally non-existent, well, non-effective, I should say, by being, just going the way of the world. Hating, being hated, hating one another, living for sensuality, pleasure, doing these things for malice, envy, slang, all these things. Or we can choose a different way. So this darkness, we, we, it's the way we are going to shine our light in this world is by having, is addressing this, this, um, the, this evil that's done to us with the goodness of God. And there's, there's, a, there's a bunch more scriptures here that I, I want to kind of touch base with, but um, Isaiah prophesied 9 verse 2, he said, People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. In, 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 that is obviously a prophecy, but people who are in darkness have seen a great light, right? In, in Acts 28, 18, Paul is telling his story, and he talks about the call of God in, in 20, 26, 18. He says, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are called and sanctified by me. Jesus, and I know I'm flashing through these, John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, for us to experience again and have this light of the life, to have it in and through our lives, is experiencing the goodness of God firsthand. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. Because you and I, like Paul, we have received grace. We have received mercy. And if we experience that grace and mercy firsthand, and this love of God for us, we can go and are empowered to give it to others. We are not going to be like that, that guy who had that massive debt forgiven, remember? That story where Jesus says, listen, the guy, 
had that massive big debt forgiven him. And then he grabs somebody who owes him 25 bucks and has him thrown in prison. And Jesus says, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You see, you and I have had a massive, insurmountable debt forgiven us. And when we, are, when we participate, when we know that we as God's enemies have resisted him, but God has loved us. He has loved us. He has loved us so much. And he's saying, so, so what does this look like practically? And I'm just going to quickly kind of wrap this up. But, but, but I, that scripture I started with, 1 Timothy 1, 5 says, that love that issues from a pure heart. You see, it talks about in, in 1 Timothy 1, 5, it says, this is the aim of our instruction, that love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The sincerity, I want you to see that, that the, the word pure there is um, free from corrupt desire, sin, and guilt, from, any, from adding anything that is false. It's genuine, sincere, blameless, and innocent. That is a heart that is touched with, the, with pure love. You know, you know what's impure? You know what I think the world, personally, you tell me. You get that canned Jesus smile at some places, right? Hi, the Lord loves you. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. That's really sincere, right? There, there isn't, there is an agape, an agape love is a genuine love. And he says the whole point of our instruction, guys, is so that we can have love that issues from a pure heart. And a good conscience, and, and I'm not going to go into the whole conscience thing because that's an entirely big topic. But, but I mean, he says, and a sincere, unfeigned faith, a genuine faith, a genuine faith. I love the word genuine because it says, without, it's undisguised, a faith that is undisguised. It's not a pretend, it's not, a, it's not an impersonation. You know what? There is a lot of faith that's just impersonation. And, and, and listen, in all kinds of churches, guys, I'm, I, I mean, we can look amongst ourselves, but is it a genuine faith? Is it, a, is it faith that comes and issues? Is it, is it a faith in our heart? Because you know that faith is of the heart, right? We believe in our heart. Faith is not something of the head. So, so there's this, this genuine, sincere thing that, that is coming out of us because of, of what God is. And, 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 and just to kind of wrap it up here, but, but this is a critical factor. People are desperate for authenticity. Don't tell somebody you love them. Show them. When somebody is going to be evil to you, be ready. Expect that your light is going to shine brightly and you are going to attract a few bugs. And when, when it comes your way, how are you going to respond? Because, it, remember, we, we've taken a good long look at the goodness of God, how it breaks down, how God showed the goodness of God to uh, what His glory is in His goodness. And He reveals His goodness to, to people across the ages. And Paul, an enemy of God, experiences it firsthand. And, 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 and how it changes, it causes people, it leads us to repentance as we get to know His goodness. But we've got to call down hellfire and damnation and tell them that God's going to burn them up if they don't. It's like, dude, th that ain't going to get the results. People have tried too long, promised people, that isn't going to 
that's not going to do anything. It's going to drive people further away. Is hell a reality? Yes, it is. Absolutely. There is, there is a lot to be said about that topic. Do we shy away from the topic and say, oh, well, we'll here we don't talk about hell. No, hell is, hell is real. But threatening people with the fear, with fear and saying God is after you, he's about to judge you. It's like, dude, you don't understand the communion. The communion we just did last week. That was, do you know that God judged the sin of the world on the cross? It's very clear. If, if you haven't heard that, then I need to take you back to the very foundations of your faith. Because it's very clear in Isaiah 53 and in Hebrews all over the place. You can study Hebrews 9 and 10. He, he's taken away the whole of our sin. Not, and in 1 John 2, not just our sin only, but the sin of the whole world. The judgment of the world has been taken care of. When I, Jesus said, I'm lifted up, I will draw all to myself. And by the way, it doesn't say people. I know translations throw the word people in there. But it's not even in any of the text if you read. I will draw all to me. And, and that's, but, but, but we've spoken about those things extensively here at Lake Haven. Because, because knowing that the judgment of God has been poured out is, is a key factor. Because people are, well, God's going to judge you for this. God's not going to judge anybody for that. There's only one thing that they're going to judge him. That, Satan, uh, that um, the Holy Spirit is going to convict with regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, because they believe not in me. There's one sin that they are going to be judged for. They either believe in Jesus, they get his righteousness, or they don't. You and I have either one kind of righteousness, either Jesus or we don't. You're either trusting in your good works. Listen, if the only reason you're coming to church is to try and score points with God, you're wasting your time. You're not scoring any points by showing up at church. It's not got to do with that. God has, never, he, God has loved us while we were sinners, etc., etc. So the judgment of God has been taken care of. The judgment for sin has been taken care of. And, and again, if you haven't done D group, I, I highly recommend you go through D group because we talk about there are judgments. There's three judgments, and, and one of those judgments is going to be the great white throne judgment. There is going to be a judgment where God, where the small and the great and everybody's going to stand before the Lord and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Those, etc., etc. Every those are all coming. But I'm telling you that judgment, I feel I don't know why I'm saying this so hard now or so strongly now, I should say. But the judgment for sin has happened. It is the, that's, that's how it, it, it even talks about, that's how God showed his love to us in 1 John 4, in verse 10. It says, this is how God demonstrated his love towards us, for taking away the punishment for our son. He, he is our atonement, right? So that is, if, if we approach, in fact, just close your eyes right here. Father, we thank you. We thank you, thank you that you are a good God. Lord, we determine to taste and see that you are good, to know your goodness in an intimate way, in an intimate way. Lord, we believe that Lake Haven, you've given us that we would intimately know you, know your goodness experience your unconditional love.
Father, thank you that we, as light of the world, as your light, as, as your hands and feet, as your children, Father, thank you that every one of us are empowered to love like you loved. Not because we earned enough points to do it, or we have some special ability that somebody else doesn't, but because we've received your gracious forgiveness. Your sin has been forgiven. Our sin has been forgiven. There is no sin that separates us from the love of God. No sin. Your Father has loved you before. Anyhow, He has loved you. He will not love you any more, no matter how righteous you live for Him. No matter how good you do, He cannot love you more. He will be pleased with you. You will give Him great joy as you walk in His ways. So the commission I believe the Lord has for each one of us in such a time, children, sons, daughters of God, receive His love and goodness. Know this is the glory manifested. And take that glory to the ends of the earth as the waters cover the sea. Love those who are the enemies of God. Love those who despitefully use you. Love those who come against you and I. Thank you, Father. We determine that we will practice genuine, undignified love and scandalous grace, Christ-like compassion, genuine confession, sincere repentance, unpretentious holiness. Father, thank you for making that real to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you have not known Jesus, if you've not known that love of God, then please respond to that love this morning. Don't go home unsure that you are a child of God. Unsure, you're not sure that God loves you. We have prayer ministers that would love and they are super qualified, not only to pray for you, to lead you, but if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be filled with our, the Holy Spirit. We need our helper to be an active part of our life. You know, Wednesday nights we do overflow. Feel free, that's our believers type meeting according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Feel free to participate at 6.30 on Wednesday nights where we get to share, bring a word, words of encouragement, words of wisdom, all the gifts of the Spirit. You know, you know when we talk about the gifts, and I'll, I just have to say this is a parting shot, but we said it last week, gifts and fruit of the Spirit are so powerful. Fruit is for the nations. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness. It's one of those fruits. That is not for you. That fruit is for the nations. That fruit is for that jerk that sits with you at work. That fruit is for that, that, that fruit is for that, 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 that lady in Walmart. That fruit is for that politician or that fruit is for that person who swore at you on Facebook. That fruit 
Is that a little bit more real? I'm not sure if we've all had this accounts or something. Amen. But fruit, fruit is of the Spirit, right? It is up to, it, it's for us to bear this fruit. And the only way we can is stay connected to Jesus. Staying connected. It's not fruit that you generate from your ability. It's staying connected to the vine, knowing He loves you. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Please respond if you, if you, to, to some of these. Oh, sorry, T. I forgot. I it was going to get you. Come up for a second, though. Praise God. Hey, you're not going to forget that, that jerk at work, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to worry about those jerks at work. I don't have any more jerks at work. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Critical factors. Amen. It's so important that we taste as we taste and see that the Lord is good and his goodness and his love we're able to, as pastor stated. Amen. Go ahead and stand this morning. We're getting ready to dismiss. and We're going to go on in the goodness and the favor of the Lord because we have that on our lives. I just want to remind you two things today, especially as we already mentioned. Do not forget to sign that card, that giant card in the back. That's so important that we show our love to our brothers and sisters in law enforcement, as we stated earlier. And if you're going to uh, want to be a volunteer for the GLS, the uh, Global Leadership Summit, please for stop by in the cafe uh, for a brief informational meeting after uh, service, as immediately as after we dismiss. And, of course, we're going to be a tremendous blessing to the Brabham family next week, this coming Sunday. Amen. We're excited. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank God for them.